The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is back. Eric Newman here, BJ Armstrong joining me in a moment. Back from Charlotte, NBA All-Star Weekend. Lots to share from that experience. Of course, dig into what happened with Zion Williamson and Duke on Wednesday night. Talk about the evolution of what it takes to become a professional when you enter the NBA as a teenager, evolving to a young man. The Lakers, the Celtics as we head down the stretch run, and much more. The Pure Hoops podcast. Check ball. Let's go. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ and myself is one of our three weekly shows. On Wednesdays, we have Catch and Shoot with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov, and their guest this past week was veteran NBA head coach George Carl. Go back and listen to that one. It was a great conversation. And the Wise-Ass Show with Mike Wise drops each Monday. Last week, we did a roundtable at NBA All-Star with Howard Beck and myself along with Mike. Please subscribe, download, rate, review, and of course, enjoy. The Pure Hoops podcast is back. Another week, much to talk about. I'm back from Charlotte, NBA All-Star. I've recovered, I've hydrated, I've gotten some rest, and my man BJ Armstrong on the other end, itching to go in LA. What's good, my friend? I'm doing well, Eric. Uh, All-Star weekend is over. I don't know what to do with myself. There has been no basketball this week, but I'm excited. We need the NBA back so uh, we can get get back to it. So uh, I'm glad you're back, my friend. Thank you. Any Anything to report from the West Coast during your NBA All-Star weekend lull? Anything worth sharing with, with me in the, uh, in the audience? Yeah, nothing much, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on a lot of topics here uh, doing this podcast. Copy that, my friend. So before we get into what promises to be a very exciting stretch run in the NBA season, which, and I've said this before to you, I've said it to a, a bunch of my basketball colleagues, the NBA is about to have its own version of March Madness as we head into March, teams jockeying for position, teams fighting to get into the playoffs. But we're going to lead off today with a very strange evening, which happened Wednesday night in college basketball. North Carolina at Duke, of course, one of the most highly anticipated events in sports every year as they play twice. And within the first minute of the game, we see Zion Williamson literally blow out his Nikes as he uh, falls awkwardly, strains his knee while blowing through the opposite shoe, something I've never seen before. And um, I I couldn't believe what I was watching, to be honest with you. You have President Obama courtside. You have this this largely anticipated game now being attended by celebrities. Ticket prices are over two grand to, to watch. And this guy is out in the first minute. Duke looks shell-shocked. They never recover. Carolina takes the game. And, of course, the speculation begins today about Zion. Will he play? Won't he? But first things first, were you watching the game last night? And and what was your reaction to seeing that? I caught a little bit of the game. And, you know, I wanted to watch the game because I was just really intrigued with you know, the response of kids when they play in big games. You know, they're playing during regular season or conference play, but then there are big games. And and the Carolina-Duke is one of the, you know, more special games in college basketball. Uh, after about 30 seconds, I turned the game off. And wow. Which my wife 30, started complaining. 30, yeah. 30 seconds, you were done. I, I was done. And my wife was complaining about, you're not the only one watching – television (laughs) that was another argument but okay so we're uh, so so just a note right now and bruce mark this mark this on your pad i'm marking it too we're gonna have to get into the bj armstrong remote battles with his missus at some point because yeah that's gonna be too good to pass up 
Yeah, so it was uh, about 30 seconds, and I saw the, the play. And after that play, I turned the television off. I just turned it off. It reminded me – Zion reminds me of, a, of, a, of, a, of an athlete who I, I got to be pretty good friends with after his career, Bo Jackson, where you're seeing a person so explosive, so powerful, do things that probably a man that size shouldn't be doing. Wow. Um, you know, Bo Jackson was, in my generation, in my humble opinion, is probably the greatest athlete I've ever seen. He was so powerful. He was fast. He was explosive. Um, and he literally, if you just watch and you hear doctors and he literally just, he was so powerful. He was generating so much force. He's like ran out of his hip, which I've always been fascinated with the, 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 the technology and the equipment that we were using. In this case, you're talking about sneakers. I've always been fascinated with sneakers with like amazing athletes. When you're starting to see that, not going, you know, you know, forward and backwards, but the athletes who actually have the ability to go side to side. Yep. Um, you know, when you start seeing Jordan and these guys, how they're moving side to side, um, you started seeing, I had another athlete that I worked with, Derrick Rose. I wasn't concerned more about him, how fast he was moving, you know, going forward and backwards, but his ability to go side to side has always bothered me. And when I see players, you know, these crossover dribbles and step backs, the body's just not made to stop and start and move in that those directions. So when I saw that, it just reminded me of, of Bo Jackson. I was reminded there, and I just said I didn't want to watch it again because he's such a, a, a powerful, explosive athlete. And with that size and his ability, it's so unique. It's fascinating to watch. It's, it's incredible to watch, but at the same time, I just had that flashback, and it just reminded me of Bo Jackson, and I'm hoping that he's okay. I guess all the reports that he's okay, but, you know, that was what came to my mind instantly when I saw that play. It was just that here's a man that's just so explosive. He's, he's, he's probably ahead of the curve on the equipment that's able to handle. I don't think when they make the, the, the shoes and the equipment to handle a man that size doing what he's doing right. because it's so rare that you see it. Right, there there can't be a a stamp that says "Design for Zion" on it, but but now maybe there will be. And you know, you, you took me back. I mean, that I watched that Bo Jackson game with with my dad, and you, you took me back to that. And I, I remember, you know, I, I watched him growing up, and what a what an amazing athlete, and what a comparison. And I remember Bo, you know, being tackled from behind, and and the way you said running, you know, basically like. The, the hip comes out of place and um, because of that force. And, of course, Derek Rose, we always talk about that torque and that explosiveness and, and the way he plants and explodes. And it was interesting last night. I didn't even notice the shoe until the replay because you're looking at the knee when he goes down and you're just hoping that it's not a serious uh, knee injury, which thankfully it's not. And then you see the close-up of the shoe and it's just something that, I've never seen before. Earlier today, I spoke to Howie Schwab, the Fox Sports bracketologist and college hoop historian, and we discussed what some in the media are saying in the wake of the injury. If he gets the green light to play, will he return or is there too much at stake? I, I think he will want to come back and play. Uh, I think the reason he is there is to try to win a national championship with his young teammates. Uh, I think he's really enjoying college basketball until last night. Uh, and I think he's happy with playing. Uh, now, for those people who are saying, oh, my God, don't risk another injury, you can get hurt running up and down a court and falling the wrong way or landing on someone else's ankle. Or I mean, injuries are part of the game. And, and one thing that really bothers me, because in college sports we're seeing this now, where kids pulled out of college bowl games in football yep. because we don't want to risk an injury. Well, if you're part of a team, don't you want to win as a team? Don't you want to not let down your teammates? Uh, to me, Zion Williamson wants to be on that court. 
He's enjoyed the college scenario for a year. Uh, everyone thought he was going to be one and done, sure. And when you're going to be the number one overall pick in the draft, we're talking about major dollars and major major deals. But, uh, you know, you're still a kid and you still want to enjoy the exuberance of possibly cutting down the nets at the Final Four. Things we already have all the talking heads and the outlets speculating whether or not we've seen Zion for the last time because of what lays ahead for him potentially as a professional. So I know you've heard those reports. What's the first reaction from B.J. Armstrong when you're hearing these things said over and over again, mainstream media? Well, my my first thought is this young man's health, his physical health uh, is of absolute importance. And as a ex-athlete, you're, you, you know, you, you have to have your health, right? Um, so my first thing is that he's healthy, that that was an, you know, just ho- hopefully for him in his case, that was just a, a moment in time in which you understand that as an athlete, you know, injuries are part of the game. Uh, at some point, you know, it, an injury is going to happen. You just hope it's not a an injury of, of, of significance that could possibly end your career. But you're gonna you're gonna get injured playing sports at some point. Um, so that was my first thing. Is that I hope that this young man is okay because I I don't like to see injuries at all. That's just kind of it's just like one of those things. I think it's probably that's been ingrained in me as an ex athlete is that you know you're just always wishing, especially for young people. Uh, who play the game, you know, they, they can they can be injury-free. So that was my first thing. The second thing is just hoping that he's able to continue his journey on reaching his potential. And, you know, uh, as an ex-player, as a an executive who worked in the NBA, as a now agent, you know, the player you're drafting – or the player that comes into the NBA, you hope that that player, that that's not the player that's going to be there two, three, four, you know, five years later. So, you know, Zion has work to do. Every young player has work to do that's has an has aspiration or has a goal to be a professional athlete. And my goal for my hope for him, and any young player that has you know, male or female that has aspirations to play beyond their collegiate career is that they continued on their journey. And his journey is far from being over. You know, he's a wonderful collegiate player, but he has more work to do. He has more things to develop. Uh, so for him to have a career in the NBA is, is and I'm, I'm assuming probably with, with a good assumption that he wants to have a career in the NBA, not just to be a player who gets drafted in the NBA. He wants to have a career. In order to do that, you have to continue your path and continue your journey on developing your, your skill set, developing your craft. And for better or for worse, the NBA now has taken on a tall task of being a league of development. And that is – that is what you're seeing now in the NBA. So on one hand, you have these professional players. And then on the other hand, you have teams now talking about hiring developmental coaches at the NBA level. So, you know, I, I think all young players, especially today, not so much in my, in my era, you didn't, come to the, you didn't come to the NBA to develop. You didn't come to the NBA to work on your game. You came to the NBA because you were ready to perform. So... My thing for him is I, I hope he continues on his path. Does that mean he continues to play if he is clear? That, that is – that's his – totally that is his call, uh, his team. I think people at Duke and which, which in, in the way that Coach K and these people handled it, I thought it was great how they handled it. Uh, you know, that's – when you come to your health, I think that is a personal situation. Uh, but what I do understand is that this young man has to continue to develop. And now where where that, you know, starts or stops, that would be his call. But he's going to have to continue to develop his skill set. He's going to have to continue to develop his his talent. And I just hope that he's healthy, 
that he can look back and like nothing like that happens again because it was a very frightening moment to watch a man of that size and what happened because it was one of those things I don't think any of us knew what happened and and we're still to this day I don't think I, I can't recall ever seeing anything like that myself yeah it's um it's a unique situation and um you know, one thing you said that was really resonating is is the NBA now becoming much more of a player and talent developmental organization. And I don't think people realize that who are watching the game as fans or even some media. I don't think they realize the steps that are being taken when you bring in a 19 or a 20-year-old and what their evolution becomes once they're in that organization, in that program, and they're growing as young men and professionals. From, from, from your perspective, of course, as ex-player, former front office exec, and now an agent, how do you think that's working in the NBA right now? Do you, do you, think, do you think that's moving forward well, or do you, do you think there's a lot of work to do? Because Obviously, a lot of the things the NBA is working on, specifically with the G League, are, are part of this conversation. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, Eric, I think that's an excellent question. Um, and it's one that the NBA has not had to face. Um, traditionally, collegiate basketball has been a it's, – it's been kind of the uh, – the ground in which young players developed. You know, collegiate, you go to school for two, three, four years, and then, you know, you'll have a year or two to kind of, you know, get adjusted here to the NBA, even though physically you you probably were ready. Mentally, for the most part, you're 22, 23 years of age. You were ready. But the NBA was kind of the developmental – I'm sorry, the NCAA was kind of the developmental ground, if you will, for, for the NBA and it's and it's been a great relationship. Now I think and I say we the the entities the NCAA the NBA the G League Europe uh, interna- international basketball. Now we're trying to find out how we're going to develop these players. That is the key to this league now. Every coach, every executive will tell you the same story, which is experience wins. That's why coaches always want to play the experienced players. They always want to play the players because those players have the experience to win games in this league. Yep. The interesting thing that I find as, as an agent is the best young players in today's game are all international players. Whether it's Giannis, yeah, we've talked about that before. The the Luca, the the Luca example specifically, and Jokic, of course. uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, all of these kids were born outside of the United States, and the best young players are the international players. Now, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but we're trying to figure out how to develop these players. We all see the the potential of, you know, let's just take uh, Zion. We see the potential. You yep. see the athletic ability. You see all of the things that he could be. But he's not that yet. You know, he's not that yet. And... I mean, I'll, I'll say it for you. I mean, I think our grassroots system has been broken for years. I've well, seen- I don't know if it's broken. I don't know if it's broken. I, I, I Because... You know, you can't, you know, things goes in cycles, you know. It's kind of like playing a game, right? You, you can't play great for 48 minutes, you know, as an NBA player. You know, you, it kind of goes in cycles. Of course. I don't, know, I don't think it's broken. I, I really don't believe that it's broken. Okay, then can the prob- we, then the, the, can the we problem, agree, the, can the, we the, agree the, it needs here, major work? No, well, here, here, here is, here's what I understand about the game. Let's remove all of the titles. High school basketball is different than AAU basketball. AAU basketball is different than college basketball. College basketball is different than international basketball. International basketball is different than professional basketball. 
professional basketball is so different than the other sports. I'm not even sure if it's the same sport, even though they have two baskets and a ball. Because the NCAA rules and the way they play the game, the way they coach the game, the way they teach the game is a totally different game than the NBA game. So as an NBA professional, it is impossible to be a great NCAA player or a great AAU player and then become a great NBA player without time. You, 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 you can't bypass the game. So you say, well, it's, it's basketball. No, it's not. College basketball, and anyone who's played college basketball will tell you the NBA basketball is a totally different game. It's a totally different game. It's not a – it's not a – it's not – there's nothing similar about the way the game is refereed, the way the game is prepared, the way you travel, the way you – 100% agree. So, so, so I'm not – whatever's going on in collegiate basketball or AAU basketball, it should stay there. We're talking about NBA basketball, which is a totally different game to prepare – these young people or get them in the mindset because there's no preparation, my friend, that's going to get you ready for 82 games plus playoffs playing against the, the men in athleticism today. I, I'm not buying into AAU basketball. It's great. It's, it's perfect for where it's at. I'm talking about developing for the NBA, which is the adults that are, you know, myself included, that are NBA people what are we doing to prepare for this game? Because this is a totally different game. So I'm not, I'm not, let that be. That, that's, that's where the kids play. Now this is where the men play, and what are we doing to prepare for this sport, which is totally different. So the NBA game and the people who coach this game, the people who own these teams, the people who are running these leagues, we understand and know that we have a totally different game. And that, to me, is the issue, is how are we preparing our kids to play this game because there's no other game that goes by the rules that we play in the NBA. Think about that. Yeah, so there- so, so let me, I'm gonna leave AAU to the side. We're actually gonna dedicate time for that on another show. So you, you make a great point. It leads me to this question, okay? Does the NBA, and it feels like it's going this way, but do they need a true farm system and a true minor league to prepare these guys mentally, physically, on and off the court for what it means to be an NBA player and a professional? No, what I think what we need to do is look at, there's no way, I don't care who you are, that you're going to be prepared to face the challenges at 19 years of age that you're going to see as uh, in the NBA. There's nothing. You're, there's, there's nothing I can – there's no workout. There's no there, – there, there's sure. no you, you therapy can't, session. You, you, can't, you, can't no, du- you can't duplicate you, those things, you right? Can't du- you can't duplicate that. You can't there's – no, there's nothing that no one could have done for me then, like you can't do for me now, that's going to prepare me to play 120 games – during the course of a season to be called an NBA champion. There's nothing. I, I, I don't want to hear, well, I got a, I got a workout plan. I, I got I got a weights. I'm, I'm eating. No, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. The only so thing that can prepare you for that is to go through it. Trial so by fire, one, right? Trial by yeah, fire? That's it. And at 19, I may have looked like, I could do it, and a lot of these athletes are wonderful athletes. They look like they can do it physically, but there's nothing that can get you ready for this mentally. There's nothing can get you ready spiritually to get yourself to put your mind, body, and spirit through what you're about to go through other than to do it. And once you do it, you realize that you're all along once you do it. There's no one that can help you do it. There's no one. There's no – the NBA life – is probably the loneliest life lifestyle that I've ever experienced in my adult in my adult life. Like, you're on you you play the game. It's great. There's twenty thousand people there. You get on a bus. You get on a you know you get on an airplane. You go to a hotel. Yep. You sleep. <laughs> you go to practice. You come back. You get a nap. You get back on the bus, 
what's your interaction other than you and these other 11 people who you're you, you you talk to but you really don't talk to right yeah, and and you, you did you, it in an era where we didn't have the technologies of now yeah yeah you're, you're talking but you really don't talk sure yeah you're, you're, you're you're in these hotel rooms you're flying around the country you're living this exciting life but the truth of it is you're constantly by yourself so you know we always talk about you know i i get why these young kids i get why these kids always want to have their friends around them i get it Yep. Because the amount of time you spend by yourself, if you're not prepared for that mentally, it's challenging. And I get that. I get that as an agent. I got it as a player. And I having a sometimes you just want to like talk talk to people. Not about basketball. You just want to like talk to people, right? <laughs> These they're kids. They're 19. Yep. Isn't that normal to want to interact with people that's your own age, right? You know, I don't want to sit around. When I was 19, I didn't want to hang out with people who were 30 years old and they had families and they're doing, I, I wanted to hang out with other people. Now I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. And as and now in the NBA, we're faced with these issues that we've never been faced with. And now we have to deal with it because they're coming. These kids are 19 are coming. That's a fact. They're coming to the NBA. We're going to have another set of 19 year olds in the NBA next year who are going to be dealing with the same problems because we're only concentrating on how high they jump, how fast they are, how strong they are. He's going to be a 20-point scorer. Yeah, the measure the truth of it is they're, they're kids. Yep. These are kids. They're 19 years old, and they have 19-year-old issues, and we're like, wait a minute, hold on. And we, we're not prepared to deal with that in this league because we've never had to deal with it before. And this is a problem for all of us. This isn't – just one person's set of problems. This is a problem that we all have to deal with. And until we address the issues of these human beings, I'll repeat that, of these human beings, we're going to continue to have the problems that we're, that we're you know, not on this show, but we're mm -hmm. not placing the blame at this group or that group. These are our problems now because these are our kids who are coming in with our problems. And now it is up to us to give them the proper guidance because we do have experience. We do have life experience, and we have to deal with these problems because they're coming, and they're going to come next year and the year after and the year after that. So either we're going to deal and work the problem or we're going to just sit here and try to blame other people, which I can't be an advocate of that. One more question on this topic. You were 19 while at University of Iowa, you didn't enter the league until you were either 21 or 22. Forgive me for not remembering your birth date off the top of my head. Um, when is your birthday, by the way? So you were 21 still. So what's the difference in the basketball universe between being a 19-year-old and a 21, 22-year-old, especially when it comes to living thriving in the in the nba life at 19 you couldn't have told me i wasn't ready for the nba now at 51 i can look back and say how foolish that was <laughs> <laughs> okay all right <laughs> okay that's the first thing yep when i got to the league i i when i got to the league as a 21 22 year 22 year old i quickly realized how good these players were. But I was very lucky in, in the, in the, that I wasn't faced with the expectation of doing something that I know was unrealistic. It was not unusual for a player like myself or let's say a Reggie Miller or whomever that player may have been to have a year or two to kind of learn your way around the league, kind of figure things out, get adjusted to the league before you were expected to perform. Now think about that. I went to school for four years. I had a couple years where it was, I wasn't expected to carry a load. I wasn't expected to lead a team to uh, the playoffs. I wasn't expected to even start. You were expected to figure it in. So that's six years. That's a six-year advantage that I have to gain valuable experience before the coaches say, you know what, now you're ready. See, coaches back then, they didn't play young players. Yep. So if you sit on the bench 
for three years, that wasn't unusual. Right. Wait your that turn. wasn't unusual. That, that was, there was no expectation. If you were playing as a young player, it's because you were just an exceptional, exceptional talent. Okay? It wasn't it, you, you, you didn't come in this league with the expectations that we're all expecting now. Like, now everyone's saying, this player is going to be, he's going to be the greatest this. This guy's going to be a 30-10 guy. Like, oh, who yeah. has projections, that pressure? Projections, projections, projections. So the expectation that we're placing on today's youth is so unrealistic that we're now we're putting this undue pressure on these players to do something that we all know who've had a chance to put those, you know, Allen Iverson, these guys make it look simple, but it's not. So now with these unfair expectations, less time to develop, less experience, this is what you get. So now instead of going four years and getting a couple years, that's six years or seven years if you, you know, you have an Olympic. Now at 19, we throw them out there and say, you know what, you got to learn on the job. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, now what NBA coach, what NBA coach who's coaching – has the, 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 the latitude, if you will, to develop a young player and lose and keep his job. doesn't happen. Rarely. You're in the NBA. You're, you Rarely. get paid to perform. Yep. Well, it, it does, so now I'm asking people to pay whatever they're paying for tickets to come to a game to develop. Is that what, is that what we're saying? Yeah. So it, 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 these are problems now that we've all been faced with. And we have to look at it and address the issue. We have to address and work this problem because it's affecting our game. It's, a, it's affecting how we evaluate talent. It's affecting now how we build teams. It's affecting now free agency. It's affecting every phase of the game. And until we address the issue is how are we going to develop these young players who are coming in with these levels of expectation to me that are so far-fetched that they're beyond. You know, I, I, take, I take the kid Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, when he came into this league, he had an injury, and he set out like the first two years yep. of his career. Yep. Part of, part of I'm that, willing, part I, of that I, process. I'm willing, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to bet that Joel Embiid learned so much just sitting there watching the NBA game on the bench, just sitting there, even though he wasn't able to play. I'm willing to bet you that was probably so valuable to him that that's, that is one of the things, and obviously he had to put in the work and all the other things to go along with his natural talent that helped him mentally, physically, to get himself prepared, along with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons did the same thing. Yep. He set out like his first year in the NBA. So just sitting there and watching Le uh, LeBron James, just sitting there and watching him, you will learn more than actually going out there because when you're competing and you lose your confidence, this is a league where if you lose your confidence, you're in trouble in this league. And, I don't, and once you lose it, very rarely do you get it back because these players are so good they're so competitive when a, when, a, when a player smells fear or a player smells you are losing confidence, they're going to take it from you. And the, and the worst thing you can get or do to a young player is to put them in a situation they're not prepared for and they lose their confidence as a young player because that player will never reach his potential if they do it. And perfect transition, LeBron James, young player's confidence, LeBron and the Lakers now gearing up for a – Stretch run towards the playoffs as uh, he uh, seems to be locked in on bringing the Lakers to the postseason. What has to happen there for those guys under LeBron's leadership and guidance? And we've seen this before from him in different situations, bringing guys along. What needs to happen for L.A. to right that ship and get back to playing the way they were before LeBron got hurt? You know, it makes for a great narrative, I, I think, for of where we're at in today's sports. <laughs> I remember 
when I first came in the league, you know, you, 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 if I thought as a young player that I could have made the playoffs with no experience in my first or second year, coaches would have looked at me as if I was crazy. Hmm. I remember when I came in the league, the first thing you wanted to do was establish that you could win at home. Yep. <laughs> okay. That was the first thing you wanted to do. Before I started talking about playoffs and championships, I just wanted to establish that I could win my home games. I could win my home games. And, and, and that was the first goal of the young Chicago Bulls team, that we could actually, when you came to the Chicago Stadium at the time where, the, where we played, that we could just win our home games. The Lakers right now are playing meaningful games. So in my way of thinking, they've already won because now they have young players actually playing in meaningful games. I'm not worried about the playoffs. I'm not worried about all the other things because they're actually they – pro- they play a little better at home than they do on the road, as young players do. And they're playing their last 24 or 25 games. I don't know how many they have left actually will be meaningful games, which is invaluable to the youth of this team since they're just all – most all of them should probably still still be in college. Yep, they're 16 and 12 at home. They're 12 and 17 on the road. They're, 20, they're 28 and 29, so that's uh, 57 games played. They've got exactly 25 to go. So essentially every night for the Lakers right now with 25 games to go sitting in the 10 spot, Every night's a playoff game. <laughs> Every night. So they're actually playing meaningful games. Yep. As an executive, to have young players like Kuzma, Ingram, Ball, and all of these guys playing meaningful games this late in the season, check in my book. That's a that's a that that, that that's terrific. That is terrific for the team. Now with LeBron James on the team, that raises the expectations to another level. Yep. Now, is that fair for the young players? Nope. In my thinking, look, like, I get it. Like, LeBron has come. LeBron came. And now the expectations have been raised. And now if they don't make the playoffs, it becomes a problem. Because of what he has brought to the team. Once you can establish that you can win at home, then our, your next job is to figure out, can you play 500, 500 basketball on the road? Yeah. That's the next. Yeah. Once I mean, you can do that, then you can talk about getting to the playoffs. Then you could talk about advancing in the playoffs let alone talking about winning your conference or even winning a championship sure so and, these and are goes, steps and that goes hand in hand right if you can play 500 yeah, yeah, ball I, yeah, on the like, road then you can have the ability to win a road playoff game if you can't play I mean, 500 like, on the road then the likelihood of you stealing a road playoff game is is minimal at best right i mean i, I mean to think <laughs> to think as a as an nba champion to know this gives the Warriors a massive advantage over the rest of the teams. The Warriors don't care anymore about home court or visiting or, 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 or playing in your arena. Right. They're, not, they're, in, not, they're in that they're, mode. They're in they're a in whole different – yeah, they're in a whole different category than the rest of the NBA right now. The Warriors don't care if game seven is in, 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 in at home or on the road. And they could be playing in, 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 in Antarctica for all they care. They don't, it doesn't matter with them anymore because now they're playing a totally different game now than everyone else. That's just why they're the world champions. They understand that. So with experience comes understanding. Once you understand something, then you can move on and implement the ideas and all of the things. I'm, you know... To have these young kids playing in meaningful games, to me, is a win. It's, a, it's an invaluable thing. To be a part of 
to be a part of a, 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 of a, a group of good veterans who will show you the way when you don't know anything, Bill Cartwright and John Paxson and Craig Hodges and all of those veterans that I had in my rookie year were, were the greatest lessons and teaching experiences that I've had in professional sports, in all of sports. Because they were able to answer questions for me that no coach could help me with, my parents couldn't help me with, someone who didn't play in the NBA couldn't help me with, someone who was my best friend couldn't, because they were there with me and allowed me to ask questions that no one else could help me with. Not an assistant coach, no one. And that is what, and that my friend is what's missing most, if you ask me in the NBA, hmm. are the veterans because now we have so many young players coming in, there are no veterans. And when I mean a veteran, I'm talking about professionals to help these young people. So really, I, as an really, agent, I can't. I can't help. I, what, what am I? I'm an agent. I'm not sitting in the, on the bench. No, you're not I'm there. Not you're not the there every day, entrenched with them. Absolutely, not, and so, and you're 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 this transition I'm about to make, and prompt you on is perfect because I was going to shift to the Warriors and the fact that we saw yesterday that Demarcus Cousins' minutes restricted was lifted. So I was going to ask you about how that affected the team. But before I get there, through my time with him producing the film about his return and about his career, I asked him flat out during one of my early interviews, who is your NBA mentor? Who is that vet and that guide that was consistently there for you? And he didn't have anybody consistent early on in his career. And that explains a lot of what we saw, of course, in Sacramento. But I can't imagine how many other guys have had that situation, which is a polar opposite from what you just shared about your early years in the NBA, yeah, where I, I, you I had mean, those guys. Yeah, I, I had these guys. I had a, a veteran by the name of Charles Davis, and maybe you've heard of him. He went yeah. to Vanderbilt. These are the true professionals of the NBA that helped young people like myself when I was a young lad just coming through this league. Those are the professionals that help you in a way that you can't imagine. You know, DeMarcus Cousins came into a situation where, yes, he did play a lot. Yes, he did get all the touches. Yes, he averaged 20-something points a game. But I can tell you, I, I remember when Grant Hill came in the league. He was so incredibly blessed to have Joe Dumars on that team to help him. Great call. And that, my friend, is you, – you, you can't – like those are the things now that you I, – I, I mean, what can you do when you thrust these young players and, and they're around – we have the youngest team in the league. Well, if you're going to have the youngest team in the league, you're going to have the problems that young people have. So let's not complain now when they, ha when they start happening. So the veteran leadership that you need to have to help these young men become professionals is one, it's, a, it's, it's so valuable. I was so lucky to have Charles Davis and the Craig Hodges and the John Paxons and the Bill Cartwrights and the Ed Neelys of the world who all helped me become a pro. Yeah, I played with Michael Jordan, and people talk about that. Yeah, I played with Scottie Pippen. But they were young guys, too, when I first came in. But to have those veteran guys there who were professionals, right? They were, they were pros, pros. That's what, you know, that's what kept you, you know, striving to be a professional, right? Not trying to be a star or a superstar or an all-star. You wanted to be a professional and to be a pro. And you're not going to learn that from a coach. You're not going to learn that from some, you know, developmental guy who's helping you improve your jump shot. No one's going to help you become a pro other than another pro. Right. And th th those were very valuable times for me that I'm so thankful to those people because they meant so much to me then and even more so now. I'm looking at that 1990 Bulls roster right now. It's a it's a nice trip down down memory lane as you guys won. 55 games and went to game seven with the Pistons 
uh, before losing to Detroit, which was uh, the last time you lost to those guys as uh, the three-peat started the next year. But, um, you know, one thing I wanted to take your temperature on is, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have uh, a lot of great conversations in Charlotte, and it just further shows, you know, how great this basketball community is. And I was able to grab a couple of minutes with uh, Coach Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets, so I had the pleasure of interviewing a number of months back. And um, he was so happy to be at All-Star and, you know, graciously answering all the questions from the media. And, um, you know, you look at a guy like that who many feel got a raw deal in Sacramento upon being firing in his second, uh, being fired during his second season and has now done very well with the Denver Nuggets thus far, uh, having them uh, right behind the Warriors in the West. Coaches, players, can you share quickly how important it is that theme of right place, right time, right environment in the NBA? I think one of the most overlooked things in the NBA is, is especially for executives and coaches and people of leadership in leadership, right? Um, is understanding truthfully without any ego involved, truthfully where your team is at. Hmm. And I, I, I learned that from Phil Jackson of watching him navigate his coaching career in the NBA. You know, you, 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 you want to coach great players when they're ready to win. And I think that's a skill set. It's an art to it. You know, you know, Michael had two or three coaches prior to Phil Jackson, right? But being able to coach Michael Jordan when he's ready to win is a different Michael Jordan when he was averaging 36, 37 points a night. Coaching a Kobe Bryant early in his career is different before he was ready to win in his career. You know, coaching a great player prior to them getting prior to them being ready to win is a, is a different ballgame. And I think, you know, I think Steve Kerr understands that. Steve Kerr understands. I think he understood that Steph Curry and Draymond and Klay Thompson were ready to win. They were great players. But being able to coach a player when he's ready to win, he's a different player. I was blessed to be able to see that. I was blessed to be able to understand that. And I really learned it when I left the Bulls. Hmm. That you, I began to see the difference between players who were ready to play and players who were ready to win. A, you're playing a to totally different game. There are players who are ready to win, and then there are players that are ready to win a championship, which is a totally different game. You can see it in your preparation. You can see it in the way they approach the game. You can see it. It's, it's just very, very obvious. It's very obvious when I talk to Draymond Green and then when I talk to a player who's in his first or second year in the league. It's, it, it's, the conversations are totally different. It's like they're playing, they're in two different worlds almost because you understand that. I understood that as a player. Watching Steve Kerr right now, you know, he, I think he understands that. I think Coach Malone, I don't think it's luck. I think Coach Malone understands now that, yeah, you can coach great talent, but you got to coach that talent when they're ready to win, they, when they're ready to win. And when they are willing to accept the responsibility of the team and hold everybody accountable. You can't coach a team that's not ready, that's not ready to police itself. I'm yeah. going to say that again. You can't coach a team and, and win in this league that's not ready to police itself. The players have to hold themselves accountable. The players have to hold themselves accountable. And without that, you can have the greatest – you know, game plans and schemes and all those things. But the, the players have to go out there and hold themselves accountable to do it. They have to execute it. And that comes from within. So looking at the leadership of, of his young players that he has speaks volumes about those young players. I mean, Jamal Murray is a young kid. 
Jokic, those are young kids. Yep. But the veterans like Millsap, those guys understand I'm not coming here to have a good time. I'm not going on a, a trip to Miami with Paul Millsap. It's just another business trip. To some of these kids, a trip to Miami is fun in the sun. Yep, three-day spring break. Yep. <laughs> They're there to win games. Okay, and living in L.A., I see this all the time. <laughs> I see this all the time. You know, some cities have a, a built-in advantage. L.A. is one of them because everyone loves, especially when they come, the teams come from the east. They love to come to L.A. They get a little sunshine. They come out here, you know, and they start moving around. Yep. So Coach Malone has been around this league. He grew up in this league. I've known him for 20-something years. His dad was one of the great coaches in the NBA. Understanding, I think his, his dad coached for, the, for the, the Detroit Pistons. Yep, and the Knicks. And the Knicks. And he, better than anyone, understands policing of the team, and holding a group accountable. So to watch Coach Malone's success, now this isn't a new formula. This isn't old school or new school. This is just, hey, the, the, the players, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have give you the best, best game plan I can. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to do all the things I can. But the guys, in the end, they have to go out there and do it. That's, that's the difference. Yep. Yeah, Phil Jackson was a great coach, but – you the players still had to go out there and do it. You, ha you got to do it. So, you know, he has a group that understands that. They have a good working relationship, clearly, and it's wor it works for them. And that's th – to me, that's an art. That's an art. I'm watching Steve Kerr do it. You're watching Coach Malone do it. And when you're coaching players who are ready to win, man, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a special thing. It's a special bond that you have with that group. And the coaches are in that group because you understand – that you both need each other if you're going to have any level of success as an organization. Love it. Love it. That's great insight there. And the next time I, I see Coach Malone, I will uh, I will send him the best from, from B.J. Armstrong. Um, so Thursday night, we're back for the stretch run. And this wouldn't be our show if I didn't mention a certain team in green with a certain number of championship banners. So the Celtics play the Bucks. And, I mean, flat out, you have regular season games and then you have games with a little bit extra. Obviously, the Bucks have been having a ter terrific season. Not here to put you on the spot about the game because by the time anybody listens to this tomorrow, the game would have happened already. But do you see the Celtics learning from what they've experienced over the first two-thirds of the season? Do you see them moving forward from all the trade rumors? Do you see them moving forward from all the Kyrie Irving stuff that's been out there? And is this team going to go full throttle down the stretch here as we head to the playoffs? Curious on your thoughts. Well, you know, the, the, the one thing about the Celtics, it, they, they have the talent, right? You look at their roster from top to bottom. That, that, that organization has assembled a great group of talent. Um, and there's no question, Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and all those people have done a great job of the way they've drafted. They've assembled, assembled the team. Um, they have great talent there, and I think it was built for the long haul. Now, the, the, the question is not can they do it. It is are they, and I say they, the players that are in that locker room, and only they can answer this, are they committed to the process for the long haul? Are they committed to the process? Yeah, that, that's, that's the only question. <laughs> Look. Well, are, they what I mean are, they committed, the, are they committed to winning, which is taking, which is, well, which is it, sacrifice? Well, no. Well, you, and I know that word is thrown what, around I, all the time. but This is what like, people like to say. Okay, I, 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 I'm very careful because being in that locker room, I understand, for better or for worse, you understand that when you do win and you do all those things, yeah, you prepare for that, you work for that, but it also requires some luck involved, right? You, uh, an injury can change a, a series around, you know, Absolutely. a missed shot or thing. There are things, certain things you, you can control, some things you can't. 
But what you what you have to have in the NBA and 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 and, and, and I don't know any other way to say this other than I just got to say it. The NBA is a league of suffering. <laughs> My whole life of playing in the NBA was just about how much can I suffer. It's 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 all about it's you know we talk about winning championships and you see the guys at the end of the year showing champagne and all that. The reason these guys are crying is because they're, they've been suffering to get to that point. And if you're not willing to go down that path a year, two, three, four, whatever it is, 10 years, whatever it is, you do what you need to do to get out of it what you're trying to get out of it. And what I mean by the, the, the are they committed to the process? Meaning, it, yeah, it could happen for them this year. But if it doesn't, are they ready? Are they ready and willing to come back and do the same thing the following year, and the following year, and the following year? So winning, you have to have a certain level of perseverance in order to be crowned champion in this league. And if you're not willing, if you're not ready to go through your life suffering, all right, not sacrificing, suffering. That's that's what that league is about. You know, when, you, when I won my first championship, I thought I was going to be happy. I thought life was going to be – no, it wasn't any of that. It was just realizing the amount of pain that I gave part of my life just to get to that point. Wasn't, it, it, it wasn't like this massive celebration or relief or anything. This league is full of suffering. You, you play in the finals and you lose in the finals, you're suffering. You don't make the playoffs, you're suffering. You lose, and when you're expected to win, you're suffering. Even when you win and you're supposed to win, sometimes that's not good enough. Look at, you know, I'm, I'm watching Kevin Durant right now, right? Yep. So this league is about suffering. How much can you tolerate? And that's the only question I have for the Celtics. They have the talent. If, the, if they said, you know what, we're going to make a five-year run, I'm willing to bet if they're all in on that five years, they'll get one. If they're all in on that five-year run, if you told me, if you told me everyone in that locker room said we're gonna be committed to each other for the next five years, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that gamble. I'll take that bet because that's a good group. That's a good basketball team. Now, if you're not willing to suffer, I don't care how good your talent is. Talent doesn't bother professionals that play in the NBA because you got to perform. And if you're not all the way in. It'll show up. Your weakness is going to show up. That's why the, the playing in a seven-game series is such a magnificent theme is because whatever weakness you have as a group is going to show up. And the only thing that's going to get you through it is you have to show up and you have to fight through it because everyone that plays and has played in that league has some level, has a weakness. And it's only the people who are willing to fight and go through their fears and all of the things that you need to do to even be crown champion can actually experience the joy of this league of saying, you know what? Yeah, I didn't really have to sacrifice to do this. I just had to persevere through all of the, whatever I needed to do to get to this point are the people who are deserving to be called champions in that league because that's what that league is. It's a league full of suffering. And any executive will tell you that. Any player will tell you that. Any coach will tell you that. That league, that's what that league is all about. BJ, I am going to package that short speech and present it as a motivational tool. And we'll talk about how best to present that because <laughs> it is, it, it is, it is so intense and so, so moving. And, you know, as uh, you know, this about me, you know, after doing this with me for a while now, like I respect the history, I respect what it takes, the journey to get to the top of the mountain, but hearing you put it that way, and thinking about the teams and the players that I've watched get there, and then obviously getting to know you and your take on it, it's just so motivating. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my second workout in today before, uh, before tip yeah, off tonight. I, I, it's, well, it's fantastic. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I you know, being a, a lifer of this game, I, I love this game, and I, and I, I have so much passion for the game. So. Thanks for listening. I, 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 I want to apologize for being so intense about it, but I just love it. I love everything about it. And, uh, you know, I was 
It was good. It was, uh, you know, I, I get a little fired up sometimes. Oh, please. Um, you're, you're, you're talking to a guy, even though I sound calm right now. I, uh, the game fires me up. The stories fired me up. And uh, that was great. So uh, we're going to wrap for today. The Pure Hoops podcast, fresh out of All-Star into the stretch run of the NBA season and, of course, the eve of both March Madness for NCAA and what I like to call the March Madness of the NBA coming up as so many teams have so many meaningful games on the horizon as they uh, aim for playoff positioning and try to position themselves properly to make a run at that ultimate journey that BJ likes to call suffering to go for a title. Great job today, my friend. Pure Hoops Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share. Enjoy. Spread the word. We'll be back next week. Check ball. Have a great weekend. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.